Welcome to the OA Light a Candle meeting podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org where you will find several speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. The opinions expressed on the Light a Candle podcast are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Michelle. Hi, everyone. I'm Michelle. I'm a compulsive reader. Wow. Um, I'm really grateful to be here. Uh, this program is, as people say, it, it really it's, a, it's an amazing program. And um, thanks to Susan for giving me the opportunity to carry the message tonight because that's my primary purpose here. So there's a lot of new people in the room, uh, newcomers. So if you don't hear from me anything that resonates, keep coming back because you will hear it from someone else. So um, this program works if you work it. It really does. If it can work for me, it can work for you. And um, give it a good, solid chance, you know, keep coming back. Um, so, what can I say about um, this program? I have been here, let me get the numbers out of the way. I've been here since, officially working it since 2011. And um, in that time, I became abstinent early, but it was say three meals, two snacks, but my weight did not go down. It took two years for, for me to lose weight. So basically, I've been battling the same 25 or 30 pounds for a lot of years. And it's been the last about five and a half years that it's been down consistently, and that's not, that's not been the case for any diet. Diets work when I work them, but it would never last. I would always gain the weight back. But it's the last five and a half years in this program that I've been down that way. And um, my weight's ranged in my adult life anywhere from, say, 115 for, but it didn't stay there. It'd be like a minute at that weight. And it would be up to about, say, 160 or so. So I'm 5'3". So that, that range of weight is a lot of sizes. I can go from a 4 to a 14. And I've had all those sizes in my closet. And, and I kept them all for a really long time because... I was sure that I wouldn't stay at any one given weight, so I just thought it better safe than sorry. Keep some number of sizes with you, and um, but like now, basically number wise, and sometimes I think that's useful. I like when people say numbers, so I hope I'm sorry if it's triggering for anyone. But um, right now, I'm like my body likes to be at 125. It's a good weight for me. Um, but I, I also do the range of 25 to 30 pounds because I also think it's normal to fluctuate. If you go out, if I go out for a couple meals in a row, they're salty and they're, they're buttery, and so sometimes I'm I can put on a couple pounds, and that's normal and that's okay. And I also have found after seven and a half years in this program that weight is kind of seasonal for me sometimes. Where in the winter, my willingness changes just a tad, and the weight's just maybe if, if there's going to be that range of a little bit up, it's going to be then. And then spring comes, and like somehow things shift a little bit for me. And so, like that's it's acceptance. That's kind of how it is. And um, but it's not a bad thing because it's still stable and it's still way better than it was ever before. And I don't have to have six or seven different sizes in my closet. So I'm really grateful. And the other thing, you know, that I want to say is that 
program has given me the willingness to take the actions so that I can have a really pretty good level of physical fitness for someone of my advancing years of 59. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and so I'm very grateful for that. You know, exercise, it's been sort of a love-hate thing for a long time. And um, it used to be a thing I did, again, it was, I would work out just so I could put, like, money in the bank to eat later, you know. <laughs> and, I'm, and, that's, and that's what I did. And, and, you know, I think there has to be a certain amount of planning. You have to, I have to think about what I put in and what goes out. But it's not all about that. But there has to be, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. I hear people say that a lot in this program. And I really believe it's true on a lot of levels. But... The thing is that, you know, I, I often, I frequently joke that I'm really not 15, I'm really 29. And I think, you know, that's the age I feel. And, you know, this program has given me do-overs, and the, my body is one of them. So I get to have the energy and physical fitness more than when I really was 29. And that, and that is a tr that's the truth. So for anybody who here is 29 or younger and you feel like, ah, I'm, you know, I can't work out or I'm, I'm never going to be fit... If I can be fit, you can be fit. Because who I am at heart is a couch potato. Like, I really give it left to my own devices without this program, without the day-to-day -day actions to be willing to do what I have to do to maintain it. I would sit on the couch. That's what I would do. And I did. I've done that. I've sat on the couch for years, you know. I mean, so that's, that's a gift of this program. So it made me think about, okay, you know, in the context of what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now, since I'm always joking about when I was 29, I think I'll tell you about what it was like when I was really 29, okay? So it was not a great year, and I was kind of fat that year, okay? So when I was 28 and a half, I mean, again, it's like any year. There's good things that happen and bad things that happen. But when I was 28 and a half, I graduated from school, and I got the degree that I thought was going to fix me. And um, I'm here to tell you it didn't fix me, okay? I'm glad I did it, and, you know, it's been, it was a very important thing for me, but um, it didn't fix me. And... Uh, so then I did this elective one-year program related to that degree right afterwards. So that was in my 29th, and I was 29. And um, it was elective. I didn't have to do it. It was like a job, and I got paid for it, but it was understood to be kind of a learning thing. So I was with these people, like in, in our little program, there were four of us, three guys and me. And I knew one of the guys before, and so it was okay. We, we all sort of got along pretty well. Um, but... I still kind of didn't feel a part of. I, I, you know, there was that whole addict thing going on. And again, you know, I'll tell you the story of when I was 29, but it's, it's indicative of how I was before and how I've been after until program because the, the themes of not being a part of, um, all that, it, it carries through, and it was the underpinning of why I ate. So um, anyway, there was this sort of adjacent program in this thing, it was three guys in that program. So basically, it's six guys and me, okay? And um, in that program, there was sort of this culture of kind of mean behavior, you know? And sometimes they were nice, but, you know, we had to work with them relatively closely. And um, there were a lot of things. Like, so you add another thing to the addict list of, like, when you don't kind of know what you're doing, it's really hard to ask for help. And so when it's the people, the people you're supposed to be asking help from and they're supposed to give it, they give it begrudgingly, and they're mean. Okay, so, like, right there, we, we had, it's, like, it's a, it's a bad, bad chemistry. So, um, you know, I have kind of two sides where I can go into victim mode where I want to hide and retreat and not deal. But then the other side of me wants to fight, 
And um, so I did some fighting there, you know. And <laughs> like I just I don't like to take anybody's guff. And so both side, neither side is a, is really a great way to like get along with people. But sometimes, it, you know, it had to be like that. It was this was 1988, 89, you know, and things were different. And um, so with these with these six guys and me, we had this like shared office space. It was this kind of big room. And there were like little desks in there and tables and things. And so, to give you a sense of the of the time, and this probably wouldn't happen now, but um, one of the guys there, uh, he thought it was okay to hang up calendars with naked women. Yeah. So, my response to that was, I put up a calendar of naked guys. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> that was my little response. So. So to tell you what kind of babies they were, I would come back in there and there'd be mustaches and things drawn on my calendar. But I never did that to his calendar, okay? So this is like, okay, this is where we are, all right? So needless to say, I was constantly anxious, triggered, miserable, and I would, on my calendar, I would cross off the days as if I were serving out a prison term, because that's how it felt. And so, now, the thing was, is we sometimes had to work at night, which wasn't pleasant. And so these guys, the three guys and, like, the mean ones, I'd have to work with them. And so there was one of them who actually sometimes could be nice. He was a tall, skinny guy. And we would sometimes eat together. And so he showed me that in the place where we ate, sometimes you could get them to make you fresh hamburgers and fries. So that became a habit for me. And so I ate a lot of hamburgers and fries that year because I was stressed out. And so, again, you're stressed. What do you do? You eat. And here was the thing, is that even though all my life food had been a thing, I was in a particular state of denial then about my food because I didn't sort of relate it to gaining weight. It was just, I just ate. And I thought I should be able to eat whatever I want. And then finally that year, or that program ended. And um, so my ex and I, we were going to go on a vacation. And I remember, like, somehow this particular thing is, like is etched in my mind of putting on this pair of jeans that I don't know if I hadn't worn them or whatever, but they were so tight and like I could barely get them on. And they were, I, I mean, I can't remember if I could even button them or I could barely button them. But of course, you know, stubborn as we all are, we wear them anyway. Even <laughs> like you can't breathe and like organs are getting squoze together. But but the I wore the pants and but I I really couldn't understand how they got that tight. I mean, I really believed. Like, it must be that they shrunk in the dryer or something. It had to be something like that. And it's really funny because, like, I'm normally I'm a cause and effect person, and I understand why things happen, but that was, that was an exception. And so it was like, okay, so I, I got, I'm fat now. And then, but I was upset. I'm like, how did this happen? Like, why, why am I fat? And I remember my ex would, she would say things like, it was always aggravating, like, um, if, if I would order fries with me, she'd be like, don't eat fries. And I'd be like, shut up. Don't tell me what to eat. You know? <laughs> like, and I had no restraint. You know, I was powerless over anything. So it was probably good when I was 29 that I didn't know what was going to come next when I was 30 because that was a bad year, too. And so what happened was, um, so I left this program, and I took my personality with me to the next step. And... Um, it ended up that for the next probably you know, 16 years after that, I was essentially self-employed, okay? Um, because some people might say, oh, well, you're, you know, you like to take a risk or you like, you know, you, you, you know, whatever. 
it was really, I knew in my heart the reason I was self-employed is because I couldn't work for anybody else. That was the reason. And um, I gave, I mean, I could, I could spin it any other way. I mean, there's a lot of ways to spin it. But, um, and, and the truth was, it was probably the best thing for me to do. And it worked out okay. It worked out to be a good thing. But I had to do that. And um, that, that is just the way it was. So um, here I was. I was in this one situation, my first situation of self-employment. And things were going okay. I was building it. It was, you know, it was, it was okay. And then, so when I was 30, my mother, who um, I've, you know, I've mentioned here in snippets and different shares, who has a, had a lot of, has a lot of physical and um, brain disorders as well. Um, that was her first uh, sort of episode, or sort of a psychotic break, a um, an episode of overt mental illness in my adult life. So um, at that time, I I was really I felt really powerless to handle it. And uh, I, when this was happening, and my father, he at that time in that in that situation, since it was it was the first one again in my adult life, he really didn't know what to do either. He was kind of like in, in a, he was in a denial state. And I remember saying to him, you know. She needs to be hospitalized. That's what needs to happen here. He's like, well, no, no, you know, let's just give it another couple of days. Let's just let's just see what happens, you know. And you know, it got to, it got to the ridiculous point. So again, you know, don't know how to ask for help. Don't know where to go for help. Um, you would think I would at that point, but uh, so it's funny. I was looking back on that now. I thought, okay, well, you could have called this person. You could have called that person. But actually, who had occurred to me to call, and this was God working my life. And, you know, and I didn't know it. And, and I guess the other thing I want to say about when I was 29, there was no God in my life. There was no spirituality in my life. God was working, but I didn't see it. I didn't see it at all. So then in this, God was working. I didn't see it. But anyway, so I, I thought to call my mother's psychiatrist from when I was a little kid because I knew she had one, and then she stopped seeing him. And I thought, well, let me take a you know, snowball's chance in hell that maybe this guy is still practicing because he was – I'm sure he was reactive. How can he even be? He has to be retired and maybe not even alive anymore, you know. So I called the number, and I can't remember if he picked up then, but somehow he got back to me, and I talked to him. And it was a gift. That was a gift from God. He told me, he said, you know, there's two ways you can go here. He said, the easier way is if you can get her to go to the hospital yourself. And then that way, he says, if you can get her there, I'll admit her, and then we'll take it from there. He said, the other way is if she won't go, you're going to have to get a judge to do it. And I thought, oh, jeez, I mean, so, okay, so then the, the task became, we're going to get her to that hospital. Now, you have to remember, again, this is like, okay, we're like 1990 now. There's no cell phones, or they, there were cell phones, they were the giant ones, but they had no GPS, they were not useful in that way. So, you know, we take it for granted, like picking people up at the airport, getting places. Then it was not like that, so I didn't know how to get to the hospital. And we didn't have time to be looking at maps and fooling around and, like, stop at the gas station. There was no time for that because I was afraid that if we stopped, she'd get out of the car and start making a scene, and then people would think we're, like, kidnapping her or something. So I thought, okay, we just have to figure out a way to get to this hospital. I don't know how we're going to do it. The irony here is she knew the directions to the hospital. <laughs> so we went on a wild goose chase driving. I mean, this is like truth is stranger than fiction. So finally, by God's grace, we got to the hospital, and we get in there, and she, you know, we, I don't even know how we get her to sign in, and, um, and then she's admitted, and 
That year, I ate. I was fat. And again, I thought, the, the pants, I don't know why the pants are tight. This doesn't make sense to me. And it was so funny because I didn't think of myself as having any kind of eating problem. I just thought I'm just overweight. And, the, the, you know, there was this friend of the family who, um, was really, actually my father's business partner, who was morbidly obese. And this guy um, ended up having, you know, one of the surgeries to... Uh, correct his situation. He thought that was going to fix him. And in his case, it didn't. But I remember I used to look at him and think, well, you have the problem. I don't really have that problem. You have that problem. I never understood how much alike we really were until I got to program that he and I are the same, that we're no different. It's just the disease manifested slightly differently for both of us. But um, it, it was it's the same thing. And so, you know, I talk about this because it, it seems like sort of a disjointed story of, of what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. But it's it's all indicative of how I did not feel a part of, how I didn't connect with other people. I didn't know how to do that. Um, and it's not a matter of blame. I, the people who were supposed to teach me how to do that, they didn't know how to do it. They, they thought they did or they did it in their way, but I ended up being sort of you know, clueless in that way. And so when I think of how things could have gone for me in my life, that's God working in my life too. The fact that I even was able to get through school and do the things that I've done, it could have really not gone that way because of how my mother is and all of that. Um, it really could have gone differently where I could have been just a total recluse sitting in the house doing nothing, you know. So I have a lot of gratitude for the way things did go and the fact that I found a program and that I can work it because um, as much of a wretched person as I can be and am and have to work on all the time, God has been guiding me. And I, have, and I can look back now and I can see it because of the grace of this program. And so, you know, one of the things I didn't know about then... I didn't know about service. I didn't understand what that meant. I only knew about obligation. And so I'm learning and program the difference between service and obligation. It's, it's sort of a, one of the many tightropes we walk because service is, the bigger picture of service is connection. That's the reason we do it, is to learn how to connect to other people. So it starts off in a simple way of we come and move chairs or we greet or we collect the money or we do these things. But these are ways to teach us how to connect with each other. And that's, there's, there's a component of obligation in it, but that's not the bigger picture. Obligation on its own is about, it's heartless. It's about um, doing things that you don't want to do because someone else's shoulds are being imposed upon you. And that's, um, that's not what service should feel like. Now, again, are we resistant to service? Yes. Do we want to always do it? No. But it shouldn't be um, a heartless, it should be a heartful act, you know, because it's learning in here how to connect to our hearts. That's, that's something that I did not know how to do. I still, I have to practice it every day because my default mechanism for self-protection is to, is to numb out and close my heart. That's what I want to do. And um, if I can, like, block out the pain, that's what I'll do. So sometimes for me, I don't know the difference between serenity and numbness. I don't know. And I've asked people. I ask, I've been doing my little survey of what people think that is. And, um, and I heard from someone that, that uh, well, or what numbness, 
or acceptance, the difference between acceptance and numbness, those, both all those things, you know. And so I've heard, like, one positive spin on it is that in acceptance or serenity, there's a peace about it. There's a, it's like an active process that you're connected. And when you're numb, you're, like, disconnected. You're, like, dissociated, even though sometimes the absence of pain can masquerade as serenity. Because when you're in a lot of pain all the time, when it's chronic, you just want to, you just want some soothing. And so hence food. I mean, hello, you know. It's not a, it's not a surprise to go to the food to try to quell that pain. So that's what I've done. So I've done that. It's taken on many forms. I mean, when I was like 19 years old, I went through this restrictive phase for a while where it made sense to me that if I didn't eat all day long, then I could have like all the day's calories and then some at night for dinner. And so that's what I would do. I would be starving all day long. I could barely think straight. But then at around, what, 6.30, 7 o'clock when I probably couldn't stand anymore, then it's time for my, like, double whopper with cheese, large fries, and chocolate shake, you know. That's what I would do. <laughs> I did that for a while. And, but then, then that stopped, and then it had to be just kind of, like, eat all day long. And it's funny how, like, when I was younger, you know, my weight would fluctuate. It was easier. It was, it was not as... Um, much of a problem, but then I, I, I guess in, in the past, I, I, you know, I've talked mostly about from sort of, again, age 35 on, because that's when I started really doing diets, and that's when I became aware, because I, I was really, I didn't really know how to do it, and um, I'm getting ready to be, I, I really need to talk about the solution, so um, basically, I got to program in 2011, and um, I came here at that time, there was a sort of confluence of work things that happened and family of origin things that got really bad. And I knew I needed some blueprint for living. I needed this. I needed some mechanism to teach me how to do it. And um, that's what program has done. You know, I've, I came in to, first in 2009 and it didn't stick. But then in 2011, I showed up at Hill Street Friday morning and... Um, I, maybe it was like, I think I got there on the 15th, and 10 days later, the 25th, July 25th, 2011, that's I consider that my abstinence day, because that's when I asked my sponsor to sponsor me. And she told me, you have to go to five meetings a week and make two outreach calls a day. Thanks. And um, you have to uh, take service commitments, and you have to start working the steps. And I said, okay. You know, and, and she said, oh, you have to call me every day. And I thought... Really? You want me to call you every day? Like, it really was inconceivable that somebody would want me to call them every day. <laughs> because, you know, the thing is, is, I had just left this job where the phone, no good ever came from the phone. Okay? <laughs> Nothing good came from answering the phone. So I was like, I was all about avoiding the phone, you know. And um, when she said, call me every day, I thought, isn't that a pain in the ass for you? And she said, well, no, no, it actually helps me work my 12th step because um, I can be of service. And it was the first time I, like anybody ever said anything like that to me. It was like, that doesn't make any sense. But I thought, okay, uh, if that helps you, I'll call you. <laughs> and, um, and, um, but then, I, so I, kind of, I did that, and then I, but I did, like the whole outreach thing was very foreign to me. I mean, I felt like a cold call, like a sale, like, what do I say? <laughs> like, I'm not a salesperson. I don't know how to do that, you know. It's like, not me. And I can remember the very first outreach call I made was to somebody from a Hill Street meeting, and she was very kind to me, and I always remember that. And uh, so the outreach thing, that was tough, you know. And um, 
So then I started working the steps and, you know, and coming to meetings, and I was kind of struck mute, you know. And so newcomers, announce yourself as new. It's a good thing to do. Let people know, because then they can pay attention to you and talk to you and connect with you. And I didn't do that. I didn't identify as new. And um, I was too full of shame and pain, and I just kind of... The thing is, I look like every other woman in Santa Monica, like, oh, maybe I've seen you before or whatever. So I could, I could blend in the meeting. People knew that they maybe hadn't seen me, but, but okay, well, maybe you're coming back or who knows. And people kind of leave you alone if you're, you know, they're not going to force themselves on you. But, um, but raise your hand and say you're new in meetings. Do it because that, then you can avail yourself of all of the um, benefits of connection. And... Uh, so I, I kept working the program and working the steps, and and it you know it again it took me two years to lose weight to have the willingness to really put the food down. So what it looked like at first was um, three meals, two optional snacks, and so I had three kind of big meals and two big snacks because if you want me to not eat all day long, then if I have to survive from feeding to feeding, then it's going to be bigger, you know. And so you don't lose weight like that. But I, I also was like, okay, as long as I don't gain weight, as long as I don't get enormous, that's probably okay. So um, I was like that for the first couple of years. And then, and then I became willing, slowly but surely, to do things differently. I picked up the exercise again for real. And then I thought, if I'm going to put all this energy into exercise, then i got to put the food down. And so I did. And, uh, and lo and behold, I actually lost weight. And I was shocked. I thought, I, did, I didn't think I was capable. I mean, after all, again, I'm not 29 anymore. I didn't think I could lose weight, but I did. And so I'm getting a do-over. I'm getting a do-over with that on a daily basis. And I'm getting a do-over in my work situation where, um, usually I talk about this a lot, but uh, basically I got fired in 2011. And then seven years to the day, I mean, I, I still was there at a part-time basis for that whole time. And seven years later to the day, I got rehired in my old job. And, um, again, it's not like it was something I was pining after. <laughs> and I didn't even think I really wanted to do it. But, you know, it's been about eight months or so or nine months since I've been there back. And it's hard. And all the same things that were triggering and difficult about it are still are that way. But you know what? It's funny because I'm looking at it as being of service. It's a different thing. I feel like God called to put me back that I, in a thing that I'm qualified for because I had seven years to do other things and take classes and learn and and I was I found I'm overqualified and underqualified for everything at the very same time you know and um so it's hard to retool yourself and it's like okay I'm so I got put back where okay now you can have gratitude for it and you can see what you have and they can maybe be a little nicer to you and like it can be good and um and it, and it is, you know, it's good in its way. And, like, are there days where I'm triggered? Of course, it, it, you know, all kinds of things that I don't like. But it's okay, you know. And I, ha I have a program now. I have fellows. And you know what? And thank God for my sponsees, who are some of whom are here tonight, who I love dearly. And um, you're all really special to me. And uh, you teach me how to do this. If it weren't for you, I wouldn't. I wouldn't know how to do it. You teach me. And um, and thank God for my sponsor who has, you know, put up, who has he's been very patient in many ways with my behavior. And um, and to my OA sisters who are here, you know, um, you're all, uh, there's many different types of relationships that I have in here. And some, we don't really know every detail of each other's lives, but, um, and my OA aunt, you know, I mean, you know, 
there's all these different connections that um, we build that I didn't think I would ever have. And they're very special in so many ways. And um, that's the gift of the program. So the newcomers, if you feel like you're not a part of, or if you feel like you're disconnected and that makes you eat, just keep coming back. And, and it, like God or higher power or whatever you want to call it, the universe, whatever it is for you, it works and it, it works. And it, it guides me, it guides all of us to... Um, to to a better life if we're willing to, to accept it and um, if we're willing to, to do the work. So I think I'll, I'll end there, and I want to thank everyone. And if we have time for questions, I'll, I'll take questions, I guess. So thank you. awareness of God and spirituality when you were 29, and I wanted to hear you talk about your awareness of God and spirituality today. Okay. So the question is, um, I didn't have an awareness of God, of, uh, God or spirituality when I was 29, but how, is it, how, do I, how does that look today? Well, you know, I want to say I started having an awareness of God and spirituality, like, probably in my 30s. I started reading different books that, and again, it's no accident, they're like, People tell you things at different times, and, they, and you get people, you know, like like, you, like God gives you people. And so I feel like there's been many times in my life that I can look back, hindsight's twenty twenty, where they've told me to, um, like, do this thing or do that thing. So related to the God thing is, I remember there was a person um, came in and told me, I'm reading this book, like, like not telling me to read it, but I started reading those books, and... Um, I started having this great sense of like, oh yeah, like like God and spirituality, and that there's another force, something bigger than me that's working in my life. And so, I, I had actually had that when I came into program, but it's been I've been like since we talk about conscious contact in here, and step eleven, and we talk about meditation, I'm nurturing that relationship. So that's what it looks like today. Is that. Um, I actively seek out that relationship. And what I do, like one of the big tools for me is writing. So I write to God. And I do that a lot. I do that, um, like at home I do it on paper, and I'll write God's response back to me with my left hand. And, and that's kind of an effective thing. It, it access is something that um, is very deep. But at work, what I do is I need to, I need to talk to God at work a lot because things trigger me. Like, you know, things people say or they don't say or the text I didn't get from somebody or the answer I didn't get or somebody ignoring me or, you know, something like that. When I go into my three-year-old mode, I need to connect with God. So I write to God in my phone and I write God's response back to calm me down. And it calms me down, you know. And so I just, like, I somehow access something that, like, it's funny, like sometimes I can think, okay, I'm just totally making that up, and it's like, it's a fantasy, and like, I'm just deluding myself, but you know what, sometimes I go back and read that stuff later, and it comes true, you know, and it's like, it's uncanny how, it's like, oh, wow, like, that, that happened, or that's real, you know, so, I don't know, hopefully that's answering your question, but um, I, I, I make the effort to connect with my higher power today, and I, and I, I fully believe now, like the book says, God is everything or God is nothing. And so if, for me, that means God is in the details. 
and um, every little detail of every little thing I do and every little person I meet, and the second I meet them, there's no accident about that. And um, who's in my life and for what reason, and painful or not. So I'm just trusting the process as much as I rail against it, you know. And um, so hopefully the answer is thanks. Is that uh, anybody else for a... Oh, that's okay. Well, thank you. <laughs>